0: Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today, I'm not with another guest, I'm with Mark. So we're back here. How's it going, Mark?
0: Back again, finally. Going get yeah.
1: Basically, we didn't do a podcast together, just the two of us, since the beginning of the year, actually. Since sort of Uh,
0: mid-December, I think, because a lot of uh, those ones over Christmas were recorded early December, I think.
1: Yeah, so it's been a while. And today we're going to talk about the compromises and difficulties that come along with scaling. And you can find the show notes on AtariHacker.com slash scalingpodcast, all in one word. And, you know, that is something that we're facing right now because we are essentially like really working on a lot of content like in january for example i did keyword research for like 250 pieces of content each and i'm expecting that it's not really gonna slow down once the writers have caught up our slack which is our team chat has now like six people basically full-time plus maybe like double that in freelancers working on and off on what we do and, you know, as we're doing all that stuff and, you know, definitely we're doing well because it's it's all scaling and it's cool, but there are new difficulties and new challenges, you know, showing up along the way. And I want to talk about that because a lot of people are, are doing quite okay with their site, but... They're looking to scale. They're looking to get bigger. They're looking to build a team, et cetera. And there's a whole new set of challenges that come with it. Like, How do you feel about that whole scaling thing overall? Like, How has it been going for you in general?
0: I mean, I love it because it's kind of what I'm good at, I guess, like designing these processes and figuring out who does what when. It makes more sense inside my brain because how we previously did it, let's call it the Gale way. It's just okay. it was very chaotic and lots of stuff going on at the same time. And it's easy for me to get a bit lost in those kind of situations, but... Hey, it worked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think that's the best way to do when you when you are starting out or even until you get to the point where you want to scale like crazy. It's more effective. But yeah, it's very interesting. It, no, it's not to say it hasn't been times where it's been frustrating, especially like the writer churn and trying to find good people. That's, that's probably one of the most difficult parts I've found. But uh, yeah, it's all in all, it's pretty interesting.
1: Cool. I think before we get started on the challenges, though, we should explain why I think it's important, or what we think it's important to scale. But for me, first of all, there's like that kind of personal challenge thing. You know, if I end up doing the same thing for more than two years, I get bored with it. So I know it's basically if we don't grow, I'm just gonna get bored with what we do and look for something else to do anyway. So it's like it's a personality thing. I know you have the same thing, so I'm like I'm not gonna ask you. But another thing as well is. The site creation ownership industry, there's a lot of capital entering it, right? Like now people are starting to see websites as a real investment route, a volatile one, but a real one. And as a result, you know, more and more capital is entering the industry and a lot of like legacy publishers are starting to get into affiliate marketing and all these things. And as a result, you know, I expect that the industry is going to tighten up a little bit and small players will maybe be squeezed out eventually at some point. And so if you are someone that makes, you know, like high four, low five figures per month, you're definitely one of these small players that could be squeezed out eventually. So your mission today, if you want to do that in the long run, is to, you know, grow into a bigger publishing agent that can compete with bigger budgets, et cetera. And to do that, you need to scale, you know?
0: Something I want to add to that as another point is, I think as more and more people, you know, a couple days ago, I heard about some Google update, which uh, affected PBNs apparently. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it was a big deal or not. Again, we, we don't really use those. So we don't use them at all. So it doesn't really affect us. But I think as more and more people are switching to White Hat, they're realizing that, hey, I can actually it's actually worth investing in you can content. actually do that stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah. cuz back in the day you know 5 6 years ago is the thought of ordering hundreds of pieces of content for a single site It's like well why you're just going to get penalized eventually you know and I have to yeah, start especially from scratch, when so. and,
1: you know content standards now is like 1500 2000 words for yeah. con- it's pretty classic now for like uh, semi competitive keywords It does cost money, right? You can't get your articles for 10 or 15 bucks anymore.
0: Yeah. It just,
1: you know, it was the case back then, right? It was pretty frequent. You could buy your content for 10 bucks. It was terrible, but you could make money with it. Yeah. Today, you know, you're more looking at like 50 to 80 bucks for like piece of content that has a decent chance to rank and has enough quality to convert, you know? Yeah. But it's still massively profitable like when when some of these pieces of content work and i was actually like just before that podcast i was going on the analytics on health ambition and checking you know what what the ratio of success versus failure is and it's basically like 50 percent is successful but like you know a a successful piece of content makes us thousands of dollars so yeah i think
0: the roi on organic as well especially if you're doing like seo is is just crazy over over the long term i've been sort of i don't know quite sure how to explain it but i've been mesmerized when in the past when people have said oh you know i'm spending this amount of money on ppc and it's generating all this revenue i thought oh wow that's awesome but actually like
1: the profit is not that high yet
0: when you look at seo like organic content like over several years like the, the value just keeps on coming and there's like the you know you're building an asset there as well, which is
1: sellable and all this sort of stuff, so yeah, I mean, if you look at like the top ten pieces of content and just adsense revenue right and on health ambition, and they haven't been monetized for the whole time, maybe they've been monetized for like two and a half years, you know, yeah they cost us i think I would say probably five hundred to six hundred dollars all these pieces of content top ten, and it made us over eighteen thousand dollars at this point, yeah. Just just to give you, and that's just that sense that's not counting any other ad network that's not counting any affiliate revenue, not any email subscriber, et cetera right It's just like it's easy to see in that sense, I would need to do a lot more work to figure out the rest, but you know it's probably like double or triple in toll, you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's just like that you know you you spend one dollar and you make like thirty or something it's really good yeah you know obviously when it works out so even if 50 percent works out it's really really good still you know
0: so uh, is it fair to say then that why it's important to scale is because once you've made some money you then want to make a lot more money you've figured out the model you figured out what works and you just want to do
1: a lot more of it yeah but we would we get massive upgrades to our lifestyle at this point like you you could but like it wouldn't change everything anymore i think
0: no, but as a business, it's something. Yeah, you, you know want what do, I mean. You know? It's like you know,
1: it's not it's not really something that you do for personal reasons anymore. It's like scaling the business, you know. Yeah, yeah.
0: But a business uh, exists to make money, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a game, basically. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so let's just jump into the challenges, and we're gonna have five, and I have a bonus one at the end that I actually didn't figure out how to fix yet. So actually, people can answer in the comments. But the number one is. Maintaining quality and style of content. So, as I said, I brainstormed 250-ish pieces of content in January to order. And, you know, both our sites have, both the sites that you guys know have editorial standards that are pretty high. I would say higher than average. Definitely on the hacker, I think we are. On Health Ambition, I think we are above average as well. There's a lot of crappy health blogs out there. And uh, we care about, you know, quoting sources and what the government guidelines are, etc., all that stuff. And being able to maintain these standards when you bring a lot of new people on board and bring them up to these standards is very complicated. I mean, even on Authority Hacker, when we hired Perrin, like he writes extremely differently from me. First of all, he writes without grammar mistake, which is like a huge difference. <laughs> but the other one is I'm much more like technical, practical. I'm like one, two, three, four, do this, do this. Do this. And and per is more of a, like he writes long sentences and he goes over like how he feels about doing it, et cetera. Like he's, he's got definitely a different style. And you know, his style works now, but the truth is the first month he started, we did not publish a single word he wrote, right? The whole time was just training, etc. And we have another person that you guys haven't seen, but actually I think we're going to re- publish the first uh, review he wrote uh, this week. And same thing, it's Lewis and his first two weeks i think we basically deleted everything <laughs> like literally like it, it was brutal like he told me that is the hardest job he ever picked up basically but like it's a challenge for us too because we're paying these people at the, during that time and uh, quite a bit of money actually so it cost us like thousands of dollars to not publish their content but to maintain the standards, it's actually quite complicated. How, how did it go for you on Health Ambition? Because Mark is scaling the Health Ambition content.
0: Yeah, so the thing with Health Ambition is I wanted to have a fairly solid base in terms of editorial oversight. And it's a little bit more difficult because neither you nor I are health experts. So we basically to rely on other people. Just getting writers in, I mean, I'm not really, I can roughly assess whether they're good or not but i'm not really one to say oh is that the right vitamin that's in this fruit or something you know so to address that problem we hired an editor actually specifically recruited for an editor post on pro blogger had a number of people apply filtered it down did several rounds and in the end got someone really good who had a degree in pharmacy i think it was pharmacy or something like that but had a background working in the drugs industry basically writing technical manuals and this kind of stuff so that lends itself quite well to editing something you need a huge amount of attention for of attention to detail for not to mention an in-depth knowledge of the, the subject. So once we had that person in place, she is then able to accurately assess what other people are writing, what other writers are producing. And we have tried various ways uh, to, to recruit. At the start, we used TextBroker quite a lot. And the difficulty with that, there were some good ones, some bad ones. The difficulty in terms of maintaining quality and style on TextBroker is you tend to get assigned different writers every time unless you go out of your way to kind of build a team and it's, it's quite That's different. what I
1: did for the auto side system. Essentially yeah,
0: it, it's, it, it can be a bit difficult doing this at scale because especially yeah. in health, I find just a lot of them are unresponsive the second time after even you, after you've invited them to your team and, and whatnot. But So then we moved on to actually um, having internal people. So just recruiting them from various places. Upwork uh, was one of them we used a lot and the getting the quality uh, I'm really glad we had the editor cuz getting the quality right was quite a challenge I'd say probably about 75% of people who we hired just weren't able to to meet the the sort of level of of standard that we we demanded so I'm I'm kind of glad we had that that person in place to do that in terms of style for health ambition we used the content templates basically these are now the ones which are, are something very similar is available in authority hacker pro in the content outsourcing yeah. content production and outsourcing blueprint so we we basically use that when we're producing it so everyone who's reading it knows exactly the backstory and the structure and what to do what not to do and that was kind of really helpful
1: as a another layer in it as well i think probably one of the best things we did before scaling these content templates actually
0: yeah Uh,
1: I, i know a lot of pro members like abuse them a lot as well it's working pretty well for them the thing is like you know because people come in and they don't have the style like the way i kind of like decided to go with authority hacker at least because basically mark is the editor for health mission i'm the editor for authority hacker is first of all like really redefine and re-agree with your site's mission so like on health Mission, that would be like helping busy people make healthier choices and on authority hacker that'd be showing you how to build highly profitable and ethical web properties and then when I read that person's content, I'm like, okay, does that does that fit in? Does that actually help people like practically build a better website? And if yes, then I'm like, okay, next question. If no, then I usually delete everything. <laughs> And then the second question I ask on the content is uh, would I find it useful if I face the problem that it solves? So, for example, Perrin wrote this article about SEO copywriting, and he's actually a professional writer, like really, really proficient writer compared to me. And he broke down his entire system, et cetera. And if you ask me, actually, that's probably the best article on SEO copywriting out there. And I need to really be like excited and be like, OK, that's someone that has that problem. They find the solution in there. But then, you know, all the stylistic stuff and, you know, my style of maybe, you know, making shitty diagrams on my iPad or whatever is not 100% necessary. It's great. And that's what partly made the success of Authority Hacker. But, you know, Tim Ferriss has this minimum effective dose theory where it's like there is a quantity of effort that you require to get your result and you should not go past that necessarily. And it goes the same with content, especially when you're scaling, right? If if we wanted to, to stay the way we are, I should probably still, still keep writing the content. But in that case, once I've answered these two questions, we've posted a few articles and I've seen that people, st- there's still like hundreds of comments and and reshares, et cetera, then essentially I was like, well, it's good enough for now. It doesn't mean we can't work on it, but it means we can scale and I can actually work on things that will push authority Hacker further in other aspects. So, like, I've been working on, you know, the, the courses. I've been working on a podcast. I've been working a bunch of technical stuff back in, the, back in the scenes that people don't see, et cetera. But really, like, if you look at your alternatives, it's like, you know, go through that or stagnate. I would just have stopped posting at all because I had all these other things to do as well, you know? So overall, uh, it is a challenge. And I think finding this minimum effective dose is really what... This is the philosophy I like to go by, provided I, I keep the same engagement, et cetera. Anything to add on that problem? On that yeah,
0: I just think it's, it's a point that kind of applied to both Authority Hacker and Health and Mission. It's, we very much took the view that we're not in a rush to scale we want to get the angle the quality the structure all that kind of stuff right like a hundred percent right before we
1: started to to scale you want your audience to not feel betrayed by your willingness of scaling if i went ahead and started publishing 500 words article but on text broker on authority hacker there would have been an outrage, right? So you kind of have to ensure continuity from the point of view of the audience and ensure that, you know, they get what they came for. But at the same time, you need to find other people that can do it and they they will bring their own style with it. It's going to be different. The question is, it's not whether you like it you or more, it's whether the audience likes it as Mm -hmm. much, at least. It's it's that way. Like, I'll be honest, like a couple of posts from Perrin, I was like, "Mm, I don't like it so much. Uh, and I told him and he was like, oh, we'll see. And I, I just published it. I was like, you know what? I'm not the audience. Let's publish it, right? And these are some of his most successful posts. Yeah. So <laughs> so I'm definitely wrong many times. And you know what? It's all about the audience. It's not about me. And you need to be able to take your feelings of that and, and take some risks as well. Let's talk about the challenge too. And the challenge too is actually what you like, but what I struggle with, which is stacking projects and staff management. So, you know, when you start your website, when you go to Galloway, you do everything, right? You do the site tech, you do the writing, you do the illustrations with your horrible drawing on your iPad. You do all these things. And it's kind of like you basically lock yourself in your room and you don't talk to anyone for the whole day. And then you come out and ta-da, I just did something. When you scale up, you end up like, as I said, we have like six people more basically working full time with us on Slack. Plus, we have double that our freelancers around that all to get their work don't need to interact with us. So, they need to ask us questions, they need to get specs, and they need us to give them feedback on what they've done, et cetera. And so, for example, on my end, like we're moving hosting right now, so I'm talking with tech staff. We are working on a new start here page on Atari Hacker. So I'm working on that with Perrin. We're working on reviews with Lewis. We're doing ongoing content orders with Mark. I am doing a new site content order with Mark as well. I am going to be working on a new blueprint and a new funnel for Atari Hacker just after my new site order is done as well. So that is with myself. Plus I get various feedback and my emails also like a a no goes on at this point. And that means you get an absolute ton of interruptions by email, by chat and messengers, you get phone calls. And most importantly, you start becoming the bottleneck of your business if you don't handle that properly. And that increases t- stress and pressure. How's your feeling of it? And like, how do you feel about it? And what's your take on this? So
0: I think it's important to have a, a little bit of foresight on on this. Like, what are the areas which are currently causing a little bit of stress? where I'm a little bit of a bottleneck on. And if we were to, let's say, double content production or double or quadruple the size, like would really become a problem and kind of hire for those, hire people to take care of those things in advance. So for example, like right now, we're actually just planning on opening an office in a couple of weeks here in Budapest once again. And uh, we're going to be putting certain people, like for example, do customer support. Which is an issue with Authority Hacker, especially in the the most recent launch we did in January. We just have so many people on intercom asking us questions and, you know, couldn't get into their account or forgot their password. Or simple-ish kind of stuff. So it's important to kind of get out ahead of such problems before they really like start to have people canceling and refunding and that kind of stuff. You can usually tell if stuff's a problem when people aren't just complaining about it, but they're actually, you know, unsubscribing or cancelling or refunding that that kind of stuff. In terms of like how I handle or how I handle lots of different things, like lots of different pieces of work going on, I tend to do one big thing per day, which will take up like my personal system for it is like will take up, you know, a half to two thirds of the day. And then I have the rest of the day just to do other stuff. And in terms of prioritizing what to do, there's no like, oh, this day I do this, this day I do this, this day I do this. It's all net present value. So, like, what activity I'm gonna do today is gonna make the biggest difference to the bottom line, you know, in three, five, 10 years, whatever. So, that's kind of my thinking on how it goes. One thing yeah, I just wanna say about hiring though is we've really made this mistake in, in the past is when you start to scale, Particularly if you're making a lot of money, which sounds like is a good thing, but it can actually lead you into a trap. And I see lots of people do this, is that in order to solve problems of scaling, for example, oh, you need a customer support person or you need an editor or something, or, you know, there's a technical problem with your site. Rather than really figuring out what's the best person for this, what's the most reasonably priced person for this, what's the best process for this, like all that kind of stuff, a lot of people will just throw money at the problem. So, oh, I'm going to hire this agency and they're going to, you know, just fix all my, my issues. Or, or I'm going to hire 10 people and they're just going to do all the support. Bear in mind, like, when you hire people, there's you have to manage them as well. So that's, there's a time sink in there. I don't really think there's such a thing as a truly kind of hands-off business where that just, just kind of runs itself. So I would caution people to be a little bit wary of of such approaches.
1: People do that with their SEO as well, right? That's why they hire SEO agencies, essentially, you know? So I'm going to hire this agency, throw a bunch of money every month, and they'll do my SEO. Yeah.
0: If it all goes wrong, I'll just blame them. It's like you can blame them as much as you want, but you're... It doesn't
1: (laughs) save your business. Yeah, yeah. exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. It is a problem. I mean, for me, I'm a little bit of a different personality because I do need my time where I just lock myself in and don't talk to anyone to like work on the high-value stuff, mm-hmm. whether that's planning or whether that's like writing or planning new blueprints or whatever it is. that I usually split my day into like two types of, types of period. Period where I lock myself in and literally all notifications are off. Like you send me a message, I don't reply. I don't reply to anyone. My girlfriend doesn't even get a reply in the apartment, right? That is the level. But I need that to, to do like what I call like high concentration work. But then the rest of the day, usually after lunch, like usually I do that in the morning and then after lunch, I literally dedicate the rest of my day to supporting the team, like to just helping people with their projects, whether it's like planning their work, giving them feedback, editing and reworking some of the stuff they've done, etc. And so that, that gives people also like a, they're very satisfied with like the amount of feedback they get on their work. Like I spend literally half my day just doing that with people. But in the end, that gets a lot more things done if I'm doing that for like four or five people it's really like I can be handling the the hosting change at the same time as I'm editing a piece of content from Perrin the, and then in between I'll take a break and have a call with Lewis and like you know give him a demo of the tool I want him to review and then he's gonna go and structure it etc so a lot of people get a lot of stuff done when I'm doing that and it's, it's very useful as well and I found it a good way to balance kind of like the high value individual work I can do with the like making sure everyone's productive and I would agree on what you said in terms of throwing money, it's just most people under their staff, you know? Mm-hmm. They don't realize it's actually taking time from you to have someone work for you, and that you need to give them time. Like, nobody's gonna be happy with their job if you never look at what they do, never give them any feedback. That's your dream, maybe, to sit on the beach, but that's not their dream job, and they're gonna quit someday if they have the opportunity, you know? Yep. So you can't build a long-term team by just building a passive business, I, I don't think so. Yeah,
0: I think you have to you have to dedicate a certain amount of time each week, whether it's you know half a day on Friday or you know, just whenever, to just being available for everyone. So if you're doing this deep work thing or something, actually, I think you should do this, Gal, because uh, okay, I've well, always that's... wondered why it's difficult to get a hold of you in the mornings. <laughs> 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 but you should just tell everyone, like, look, don't talk to me during these times. Talk to me during these times. And people, because there's a lot of times I wake up in the morning and like, hey, wh- what are we doing with this? It's like no and response. And then you get
1: to play at 2 p.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But that, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. But just like get, having, making people aware of what's what's going on there is, is probably, probably a good thing for, for staff. And one more thing as well to add to that is, and this is really particularly true when it comes to scaling, is... Not only like giving them feedback on quality, but feedback on process is super important. I spent the best part of uh a week over the last couple of weeks working on our outreach process and basically have five x the speed at which we can do it and probably like double or triple the response the effectiveness of our responses that we're sending so it's not just me obviously the guys have been working really hard on it but thinking through the processes and spending the time to like get like okay so you're copying this from this spreadsheet to this then you're doing this like I, i've literally watched people do their work for a while and understood what what was going on and making like little time save you know saving a few minutes here a few minutes there off of everyone when you're scaling things those time savings really start to stack up and it just makes everything much more efficient.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is the difference. Like, we, we had an agency with a lot of people before, if you guys didn't know and you're listening to this at our first podcast. So we had a staff, like, of 35 at some point as an agency. And we made a lot of mistakes doing that, right? I mean, in total, we hired over 100 people doing that, etc. It was a lot with the turnover. And so a newbie will probably not do that, but hire another person, you know? They'd be like, hey, I want more outreach output. Let's add another person. and increase
0: It's almost like crazy parallel to it. We used to run a guest posting service. So people would pay us to do guest posts for them, basically. Uh, it's like to do the outreach, to land the post, to write the content, the whole thing. So it was a link building service. And as we got more orders, I was like, okay, great. Let's just hire more people so just kept doing that and kept doing that and kept doing that but not realizing that the whole time the whole process was incredibly inefficient and people were just like wasting so much time doing unnecessary yeah. things repeating each other's work all this kind of stuff and it doesn't take long to just sit down and and work your way through it and rejig things and save a lot of
1: a lot of time so yeah but I think that's the big risk, as you say. It's like when you're making money, you're willing to trade money more than time for growth. Yeah. And you end up like really wasting tons of money, which you regret later, you know. That's actually good because that's, uh, that's our next point, which is planning and uh, next challenge, rather, planning and ensure return investment, which kind of like we've talked a little bit about that already, but it's pretty frequent when like a site or business is profitable, Then people are like, okay, let's scale up, let's double down or triple down or whatever. And then during that process, that business becomes incredibly inefficient and actually starts losing money and then goes under, right? Mm -hmm. That is a pretty, pretty frequent scenario. And usually that is due to what I believe is a lack of planning and monitoring of, you know, what is going on essentially. And so on top of like having to manage these people, you get an extra bunch of work, where it's like measuring the efficiency, which essentially is what you've done with the outreach process, and also, you know, planning other people's work, especially when they're starting out and you're in a scaling position where essentially people are not trained on the job, they just started out, etc. Uh, they can't plan their their work. You essentially need to to babysit them at least for the first six months, I would say, mm-hmm. and so that means and that is a mistake I see a lot of people do, and you know, especially in the um, in your authority side system and so on. I see people starting their website and some people, you know, like they have their domain live within three days and they literally have, like in your authority side system, essentially we tell people, you need to plan every single piece of content before you actually buy your domain name, before you set your website up, et cetera. You need to have everything ready and planned. And I can see like the people that are not gonna be so successful is most likely the people that actually have not taken the time to plan And also they don't necessarily have a very good vision of like how they're going to make the money back, right? Because when you plan, you also say, okay, that's where I put the money in and that's how it comes back. And you you have a really clear vision in your head and that allows you to, whenever you give feedback to someone that's working with you or whenever you are planning like subtasks, et cetera, to, to really stay within that vision because you've spent that amount of time planning, and hopefully you've started to track some stuff, and we're going to talk about how to do that in a second. Yeah, I think
0: but. I think something just to add to this is the difference between planning during a scaling phase and during a startup phase is you, well, you don't really need to plan so much during a startup phase, uh, if this is your first site, that is, because it's more important just to start, just to get going. And I think uh, certainly when we started our sites, we did a lot of things wrong. We didn't have a model to, to follow. Um, yeah. So there was a lot, like our, our goal really at the start was to figure out what worked. Now, if you already know what works, then great. But we didn't. So we, we had to spend the time doing that.
1: And publishing hundreds of articles that haven't made the return investment, you know.
0: Exactly, yeah. Um, that was a painful and difficult process but it was also kind of fun because we're just we're learning, you know, we're figuring out as we go. But it's completely different when when we're scaling because we're we're not trying to do something different. We're just trying to do more of the same. So it's just like a fundamental different psychological position you have to take.
1: So yeah, so basically you need to be careful, you need to plan for people and you need to monitor that you're maintaining your profitability. I mean obviously you're gonna be spending a bunch of money and you especially if you do content marketing and SEO, you know, you spend the money today and you expect a profitable ROI like on month 24 or 20 or 15 or something, you know, so it's that you won't get that money right away. But you need to definitely, like, I'm monitoring a lot of the new content we're putting on Health Ambition and looking at the success rate, like how long it takes for these pieces of content to get to, like, 200 visits per month, et cetera, and what percentage gets over that, just so that I'm like, okay, we're doing the right thing. We should, you know, keep investing, or is there something we're doing wrong? Do we need to go back and tweak something? Because otherwise, the risk is we're going to order 1,000 pieces of content that are slightly off and like 80% fails and we've lost basically most of the money we invested. And that's a big risk because of the amount of money, essentially. So one thing I would like to do is, uh, well, you're going to have to spend more time on spreadsheets. So, for example, I take the link to that page on Google Analytics so that I can I make my spreadsheet with maybe like all my affiliate commercial content. Then I can directly go and check it really quickly within my spreadsheet. So I build these things. We are starting to use advanced affiliate tracking. And I am also looking at, you know, how efficient people are when they like post and write their stuff, etc. And most importantly, I also have dedicated write planning time, usually from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. So usually when people are done with their work, I like to take, you know, one to three hours every day to just, plan what's coming next and it's not as intense as like writing or something but it's gonna build that clarity in your mind that's gonna allow you to transmit it to other people when they have to do their task and keep the end goal which is the return investment in mind i like doing that way do do you want to add anything to that point
0: yeah you mentioned a lot about roi i think i mean that's hugely important of course One other thing you have to be very careful of when you you start scaling is keeping control of your costs. So it can be very easy when you start seeing, you know, five, even six figures a month coming in to just spend on unnecessary things and it's just or commit to long-term you know office leases or these kinds of these kinds of things you mean what we just <laughs> uh well no i mean our ours is this very It's a one-year commitment it's a, okay. it's, it's a hardly cost anything <laughs> so it's not really a big deal but we did make this mistake before with our agency we committed to uh how's it like three year I forget how big the space was like
1: Two hundred fifty square
0: meters. No. Yeah, yeah, three or four hundred square meters. It was huge, and it was like a proper office price. So they they charge you per square meter or square square foot, and yeah, it's a, you know what square meter is. Yeah, <laughs> but it, basically we we committed because we expected growth to maintain at its current rate, which it didn't. So that created a huge problem for us, and um, we ended up having to move out of that office in the middle of the night, break the lease. So. Uh, but that's a story for another day.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's going to be a, a bonus uh, scary Halloween moving uh, moving out of the office at night story. Someday. But the,
0: the, yeah, the point is to keep control of your costs at all times. You have to like, would you spend that money if you were not going to be guaranteed growth? Because
1: I, I mean, I like to keep the money as close to what actually generates money as possible. So, like, you know, if you're looking at the office lease. I'm looking at like how many pieces of content that is or like how many, you know, we know our cost per link more or less. So like how many links that is to our site that we're trading for the office space or so that we're trading for whatever fancy, unnecessary expense we're making. Yeah. And also a good way to calculate recurring expenses is to annualize it, right? To yes. look at how much yes. cost per year. Because it's easy to say, oh, it's only 300 bucks a month or 500 bucks a month, et cetera. But it's actually a lot if you add it up. Like, I mean, even if you had a lease that's like $2,000 a month, I mean, like, you're looking at $24,000 per year. How many pieces of content is that? Like, a lot. Imagine if half of them are really successful. It's, it's crazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's literally 480 pieces of content. So you could have started, like, two or three new sites with that money. Wouldn't you be better off without an office but with three profitable sites, you know?
0: Exactly that that actually leads me on something else I want to say is about focus. So I think a lot of people when they're when they they're scaling, this is particularly true if you have a few different sites, which if you've been in this a while, most people have a few different projects or even if it's just one site, you have like different types of content or you know, some is ad-based, some is affiliate-based, some is something else. But I think there's, it's important, especially when you first scale, to focus on doing one thing and repeating that over and over and over and over again, because you know if you try and scale five sites simultaneously, it just becomes a lot more, a lot more difficult, and uh, y- y- you need to figure out which is the, which is the profitable kind of content on your site and which is the profitable site.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, we mentioned starting new sites in our case, but, like, we're basically putting three times more, three or four times more content on our existing sites than we put on the new sites. Yeah, so, like, yeah. in terms of, it's kind of like a future investment more than, like, a, a massive growth on yes. many sites.
0: But it was, like, with, with Health Ambition, we're, we're ordering a lot of content for it, but it, yeah. it's very specific kind of content. Uh, you know, yes. we, we've done all sorts of weird and wonderful and kind of strange content if i'm honest with you in the past Um, and there have been some that that worked like the famous example Gail always quotes is uh our our article on how to stop farting which uh, apparently you got mad at
1: me when i ordered it you know
0: yeah it makes quite a lot of money on uh amazon uh, amazon uh, and that's
1: i mean it gets a lot of traffic i mean amazon too we sell activated charcoal on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mean, that that content did really well. But what we did is we looked at all of our content and we tried to sort of group the stuff which was doing well and categorize it and say, okay, this is the kind of content we we want to do more. And it could be a specific structure. It could be a subtopic. Could be, you know any way you, you want to cluster your your ideas or your content around. But it's important to figure out what is what is making the money. And the 80-20 rule usually applies here in most businesses. So 80% of your income is coming from 20% of your content. So find out what that 20% is and just scale that. Don't scale the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, at least at first, right? Focus on the revenue, then spend money on the long-term things. Yep. Challenge number four, though, let's jump onto that. Is dealing with stuff that you've neglected so far and neglected. I'm gonna say that again, because you know a lot of things are not very important when you're a small site or when you're making like a thousand dollars a month or even ten thousand dollars a month. They're not that important. So, for example, bad branding. Let's say your site looks terrible. Well, you know that may be telling ten like ten percent of people who decide to abandon your site because. Because your branding is horrible, right? Well, if you're making, you know, 1K a month, that's costing you $100. If you're making 10K a month, that's costing you $1,000. And if you're making 100K a month, that's costing you $10,000. Now it's becoming, you know, these things are starting to really cost you quite a bit of money when they didn't when you were a small site. And so you get this kind of like, uh, like basically all these skeletons in the closet, all these things that you've you forgot, you ignored, etc., because you focused on growth as a small startup site that you've got to catch up on. And- That thing can be, well, the bad branding and positioning, as I said. So, for example, if you've only made a review site. So, it's like, I'm reviewing vacuum cleaners. And then that site was successful. And then you're like, well, how do I scale that thing now? Because it's like reviewing vacuum cleaners. Unless I find more vacuum cleaner models, there's not a lot to do. Well, bad positioning. You're going to have to figure that out. Usually, the solution to that is to, you know, rebrand. Like, actually take a new domain on, like, cleaning or house improvement or something like this. And like move that content to a new domain and server so and redirect it. 99.9% of the cases, you keep your rankings, but you're able to expand and actually scale up. Well, you're gonna have to have these kind of big projects. There's also the pull text setup. People that are still on like Bluehost and their site takes nine seconds to load. In our case, our apparently our loading time is pretty bad, so we definitely need to work on it on Atari Hacker. But poor tech setup is something you need to work on. And actually, that's something we are working on right now on both of our big sites. Uh, site structure as well, if you have been putting content left and right and your navigation is all over the place, hint, hint, authority hacker, then that's something you're going to have to to be fixing as well. Because as you grow your content, if it's all over the place, it's really – first of all, you're going to be losing rankings because your content is not ordered properly. And second of all, you're going to be losing – it's going to be hard to navigate your site. You're not going to look pro, basically. And finally, content uh, conversion rate optimization is, uh, you know, becoming increasingly important. So now I'm actually starting to test things on uh, Optimizely, like the testing our call to actions on some articles, et cetera, because, you know, like once again, if, you know, it was worth like maybe a 1000 or $2,000 to improve by 10% before, when you're scaling and you're 10xing everything, you know, these improvements are potentially massive. And so you all these little things now become worth it and you need to work on this so the way the way we're dealing with it right now is we kind of like take all these things and we have one big project that we work on at once we just admit we just accept that we can't fix everything at once because these are tend to be big projects so for example as i said now we are merging our membership sites with the main sites and we are moving to a new proper hosting because we got timeouts on the membership, et cetera. And essentially, you take these one by one, usually by the base. So, like, I like fixing the tech setup first and fixing the branding, then fixing the structure, then fixing the conversion rate optimization. So, like, you kind of, like, go up from the basic technical level all the way up. And and yeah, you're going to have to add that on top of everything else that we've talked about to your workload. And you're going to be in that phase like where we are exactly where we are on Authority hacker if you're listening to, when, uh, to this podcast as we release it. Where it's like we've definitely overgrown the current branding, the current hosting, everything. We're getting too much traffic for everything we have uh but but it's not fixed yet and you're gonna have to live with it for a while it's it sucks a bit but the rushing it is also a bad solution i mean uh, how do you feel about all of that even the branding etc
0: yeah i mean i agree the branding could be a lot better (laughs) actually uh was at a conference and i put our uh authority hacker pro sales page up like a teardown session this pro designer was doing i told her how much it made and she was shocked like i can't believe it that uh, Site Which looks this terrible, and made that much money, so yeah <laughs> every big company in the world has this issue. I mean companies don't get big by having you know a perfectly planned, perfectly structured operating model and and just they magically grow and everything's perfect. Every company has problems, every website has problems, and so just take it on a project basis, as Gail said. And once you finish one project, start start the others. No need to be doing multiple things at the same time because you're just not going to get them not going to get them finished. Hire help when necessary. But again, if we or when we do the rebrand on Authority Hacker, it's we're for sure we're going to get a very good designer to help us out. But you have to acknowledge that that process takes a lot of your time as well. Even if someone else is doing the design, you can't just say, "Hey, go go and do this." They're going to ask you questions like, "What style should we use?" and you know, bounce feedback around. and it, it, it takes a lot of your time to manage that. So you have to you just have to be prepared for it, I guess
1: yeah, it's just like uh, usually uh, like your business doesn't scale. like not everything scales smoothly at the same time. it's it's such the weird you're gonna reach a weird point where you have a lot of content, but you're still on your uh, stock WordPress team as we are right now, Dory Hacker. Or you're going to be you know, looking amazing but have no content yet. Whatever you picked first, you're just going to have to pick one and go straight. Let's jump on challenge number five, which is definitely a challenge after everything we've said, which is work-life balance, enjoyment, and finding your new place, essentially. And essentially, I put that one because especially like for my personality for how I do things like I usually do everything at the beginning you know the design the writing the everything etc your role is definitely changing in, inside your own company the other people are taking your job essentially and sometimes they're not doing it as well as you did sometimes they're doing it better in both cases that can be frustrating they also are waiting direction from you and you know maybe you start at a point where it was kind of like a a, a one you definitely probably started when you were a one-man business and you didn't really have to like debate or explain or anything like that and all of a sudden you have to you know do all that communication with people to scale up you just won't be able to scale up on your own so one thing that is important is that uh, you know you're gonna be getting quite a bit of more stress or like, like social pressure or whatever that you want to call it. And that could take away the enjoyment of building your site. One thing that's important to remember is that if you reach that point where you have to scale, you're probably doing pretty well already. So like, you know, even if I took two weeks holidays tomorrow because I felt too pressured or whatever, it's like it wouldn't be a big deal, I think. And I think you need to try to keep that fun and exciting. And it can be great fun when you build a good relationship with your team, which is also why I'm not very much for the, um, you know, like hands off team that you never talk to. Like if you check out Slack, like everyone's just like sending jokes and, you know, talking about the video games they're playing or sending articles and sending funny videos in there, et cetera. And there's like, it actually builds it more into kind of like a social, the social part of working, which a lot of people lose and miss when they start working from home. Well, you can actually rebuild that back. And I think that can be pretty fun. But Also, I think you need to start defining working hours when you do, when you start doing that stuff, because obviously there is so much more planning added. There's so much more, you know, like feedback to give. And uh, many times you also keep a lot of your old responsibilities. You need to be able to take some time off. So usually I don't work in a weekend. Well, today's an exception because I was about to say.
0: Do you find it ironic that we're recording this on a Sunday?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like today, today, we're literally recording it Sunday, February fifth, for Monday, February sixth. So that's how in advance we are on the podcast. <laughs> but but like in general, that's so why in in general it can happen. Uh, podcasts, I, I it's not it's not the worst thing for me to do. But yeah, otherwise it's good to like take some proper time off which you usually don't take too much when you're running your site solo right if you have to do support etc yourself like I remember doing intercom on my phone when I was in the cinema and so on because nobody else was there how do you balance that
0: so I think the most important thing before we even talk about the specifics of of work-life balance or anything like that is to remember You've already invested, like, by the time you get to the point where you want to scale, you've already invested a lot of your own time, money, and effort into acquiring a skill, which is online marketing and all the various bits and pieces which which go around that. So, it would surely then make sense if during the next phase, which is going to be heavily dependent on other people, on your ability to build processes and to manage people that you should also invest heavily in learning those skills as well. And there are plenty of books out there. We'll put a few of my favorites in the show notes anyway on this kind of stuff. But it's worth taking the time to actually get good at it or to to at least learn about it because otherwise you're just kind of if you just kind of wing it uh, and think, "Oh, I'll be a good manager." Or I can design awesome processes. I know what I'm doing. If you don't study on that, then chances are it's it's not going to be so good. So I think that's important. Like invest in yourself, and if you do that, at least the parts of that I've I've done, I, I find it to be much more enjoyable, and the stress for me at least goes down because I kind of feel like I know what I'm doing more than in like when back when we had our agency, I was just kind of stressed. I oh, did I make the right decision am I approaching this the right way am I handling this problem the right way so that's that most of
1: the time we didn't but yeah, yeah I mean that
0: <laughs> certainly helped uh, help for me the part about like changing roles I mean you've always got to be adaptable as an entrepreneur and what you're doing this time next year is definitely going to be different to what you're doing right now so just, just accept that if you really hate doing a certain thing then uh, don't force yourself to do it there are lots of things I, I hate doing, and uh, I just avoid them. I mean, it's not to say they don't get done. I find someone else who can who can do it, or I'll figure it out and then outsource it. But if you actively try and manage your enjoyment of your own work in in that way, then it it becomes really fun actually. And I don't know, like I'm kind of the opposite. I find like as we yeah. sc- the more we scale, the more I enjoy things because I don't have to do the the shit that I hate basically. And then, uh, what else were we talking about? Work-life balance. Yeah. So holidays are, I think, are super important. I know, Gail, you never take any holidays ever. It's so really rare. Yeah. Perhaps that's a, a source of your stress. Probably something
1: I, I should work on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, but I find even taking like two, three days, a long weekend off makes a huge difference uh, when you when you come back. What I what I really miss though is. I think it was three or four years ago, I went to Cuba for a week and a half over Christmas and New Year. And there was, at least back then, there was almost no internet in the whole country. And even if you did get it, Google Apps didn't work and a bunch of stuff. And it was slow. It was basically pointless. So it was just off the grid for, I think, 10 days. And it was amazing. It was probably the most relaxed I think I've ever felt in my entire life. It was great. So I've I, done
1: that in Vietnam as well. Like I do no laptop holidays with uh, my girlfriend actually.
0: Though you did take your iPad. So I think this I think next Christmas, so in what 11 months from now, I'm going to take like a 2 week holiday somewhere and just like not take my laptop, not even check any emails. So I I think that's that's probably a good approach. I think a lot of uh, people well.
1: that do that kind of stuff do that actually it's a pretty frequent thing yeah and I, I would recommend it eventually like i mean i did take a tablet but like I, I was literally traveling in trains all the time i had no internet like most of the time
0: for me though, like uh, during the week i really don't mind oh if someone needs to ask me a question at 11 30 p.m like okay cool i'll answer it I'll, I'll deal with it it's it's not really i don't really have that distinction between work and non-work during the week i have it more
1: but yeah, yeah. It's ah, uh, it's different. Is the you need to find your balance. You need to try. You need to talk to a lot of people, hear how they do it, and try what they say. Essentially, that's how I figure out my balance. It's like I just talk to other people that do that stuff. Like, on you can talk on Facebook groups or whatever, or you can go to local meetups, and you know, talk to me. Like, maybe not the way. It's not the way that Mark or I do it. That's good for you. Maybe it's something else. But you should definitely talk to other people and and that's how I, I find new habits that improve my life usually anyway i think we're gonna wrap it up because we've been talking for a long time so guys if you are considering scaling your websites up or if you are doing it and you're facing some challenges then i hope that helped you and uh, we'll see you next week for another episode bye bye